0: Welcome. Um, J- tonight, James and I were just going to sit up here, drink some water, and no, actually, I thought it would be great to give you an opportunity to see what happens in a marriage counseling situation. So...
1: <laughs> this is how it goes.
0: Your wife doesn't show up. And... So why did she leave you, James? <laughs> So, anyway, what we thought we'd do tonight is try to uh, catch up on some of the uh, questions that you guys have been asking, and, and if we get through those, uh, then we may freelance. Um, in fact, we may even take questions from the floor. <clears throat> I have to admit, though, I mean, inform uh, me, you though, that taking questions at, at, when you're talking about marriage relationships... It's always a little awkward sometimes, a little dicey, you know, I mean, because when the wife stands up and says, well, you know, uh, I just, I have a friend who's married to a guy who's a total jerk, and, you know, before long you realize she's the friend and he's sitting next to her. So if we go there, would you just, I don't know. Don't
1: make it obvious.
0: Don't make it (laughs) obvious. (laughs) I just get very uncomfortable. (laughs) Hey, let's have a word of prayer and we'll talk. Father God, we thank you for the time that we have this evening and the opportunity to have a continuing conversation about the issues of marriage and relationships. Um, They can get really complicated, Lord, just because we get really uh, confused and unclear a lot of times. And I just ask God that your Holy Spirit would help us and guide and direct us, Lord. And I really do pray that uh, as we talk about these things, that you're you would really uh, lead us to those things that are really significant and important in the hearts and the minds and the lives of, of all of us, Lord, um, that you would just uh, miraculously even prophetically speak into this moment as we ask God for insight and wisdom from your word. We trust you for this, Father, and in Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. So, James, what do we have on the list of questions?
1: Actually, uh, the first one I think we should start with is something that I remember seeing it a couple of weeks ago. Actually, um, not in the current card, so we're gonna we're gonna go off the fly right off the bat. But um, you talked about on Sunday. The, the title of the message was "Help! I Married a Sinner." Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this question kind of applies to that. Uh, someone asked, "How do we prepare if we want to have a God honoring, um, God centered marriage? Um, looking to get married within a year or two. What are some practical steps?" How that we can take in preparing for that.
0: Um, that's interesting because I actually I, that, that makes me think of the, the passage that I'm going to be uh, teaching out of this next Sunday out of Colossians chapter 3. Um, and, and Paul lays down a, a couple of really simple principles about the Christian life, but I think that they really tie in profoundly with this issue because what he says is... Um, in, in verse 18 of chapter 3 of Colossians he says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and he says and let the peace of God rule in your hearts and those those are two things that we often don't give a lot of thought about but the word let there is it's really talking about allowing something to happen allow it to take place in other words um if I get up in the morning and say, you know, I just don't feel like reading my Bible and spending time with God, uh, and I'd rather watch the morning news and read the newspaper, I've just made a decision to allow something into my life and thereby not allow something else to flow into my life. I'm not allowing the Word of God in because I'm allowing something else to take its place. And so when Paul says that, Let, allow these things to happen, it's an attitude of life and heart and mind where we're simply saying, there are priorities and there are things that are essential and I need to make sure that they're the first thing in the order of priorities in my life. So I say all of that to kind of get this, this idea of that how do you prepare for marriage? Well, you prepare by working on your relationship with Jesus. Because if you have listened to what I've said over the last few weeks, I believe that everything in our marriage relationships begins with our relationship with God and flows out of that. And so how do I have a, a meaningful prayer time with my wife if I don't have a meaningful prayer life in my own private time? And, and so the way my wife and I approach it, we get up in the morning and um, we do we, I focus on the most important thing first. I make a cup of coffee. And, and you know, I have this place, and I believe that you, you should have a place. I mean, I, I like the idea of sitting in the same chair in the same place every day. <laughs> I like those formation of habits because it puts my mind in the right position right away. But basically, we both of us just kind of go into our own corners and seek God. We spend time in the Word. We spend time just in our own personal reflection and prayer. And we always realize that the beginning of relationship is is always getting our own hearts right with God, because we found that when we don't do that, the likelihood that we're going to encounter some kind of conflict later on in the day goes way up. It goes way up because you're not really hearing God. I believe that God uh, is always trying to prepare you in advance, giving you grace in advance of a situation and uh, and you can, as Paul said to the Corinthians, don't receive the grace of God to no profit or no benefit. I think that we can that God has always wanted to give me grace to prepare me for what's coming, but I can close my heart or my mind and not allow that to happen. It's kind of like somebody once said about the Bible, read it before you need it. You know, a lot of people come to me and saying, say, uh, can you tell me a passage in the Bible that will help me with XYZ issue in my life? And my answer oftentimes is, Typically, very smart alecky, but the answer really is I can say, okay, read this passage, read that passage. But my first default response is always, well, what I know there, I know exactly the verse you need to read. You can find it between Revelation and Genesis; it's in there someplace. So just start reading there. But the truth of the matter is, I have found that as I'm sitting down to read in the morning, the word that I read that morning almost invariably becomes the word that I'm going to need today. And it doesn't matter where I'm reading. It's just the Holy Spirit is responding to you letting the peace of God have place in your life, letting the Word of Christ dwell richly in you. Those two things go together. So that's a long explanation to begin to get the answer. But I think that it's oftentimes the thing we overlook because we think about, in fact, this weekend I'll be talking about what I call the art of marriage, that we often think about techniques and skills and learning to do this and learning to do that. But the reality is that it's, it's not just something you learn. You don't just manage the relationship. The relationship is something that is, is more art than it is practice. And I think that... Um, I'll, I'll never forget uh, when I was at, on staff at Costa Mesa many years ago, and this lady came in to me, and, and uh, she said, well, there used to be a marriage class in the church, and the guy who taught it said if you treat your husband like a king, he'll treat you like a queen. And she said, so I treated him like a king and he met somebody else and left me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, I think I get why that happens. Because what it's implying is that the relationship can be manipulated. And you can always manipulate other people to a point until they realize I'm being manipulated. No, that, and, and Jesus never manipulates us. Jesus loves us because he created us to be the object of his love. I mean, that's as far as I can understand it. But God loves me because he created me in his image so that he could love me. And loving me is what God does. And unfortunately, regardless of my response, he's loving me all the time. And when we begin to develop that Christ-centered attitude in our life, it transfers itself into our relationships, in particular our marriage relationships. Because for me, on a daily basis, the challenge is always to live out my Christianity. In fact, I'm taking lines out of my message from the weekend, but not everybody's here, so it'll work anyway. But one of the things I just wrote down this afternoon in my notes as I was working on it, is that if we treated our marriage partner, our spouse, the way we are taught in the Bible to treat our worst enemy. Most of our marriages improve 100% overnight. Because what am I supposed to do with my enemy? I'm supposed to love him. I'm supposed to pray for him. And I'm supposed to, uh, you know, forgive. These are the things the Bible says to do with your enemy. Well, the sad thing I have found, uh, and I, my wife and I have been guilty of this as well, where you find that you're not praying for each other. You're not loving each other. You're not forgiving each other. In fact, you're, you're, keep, you're beginning to develop, fill a basket full of uh, hurts and offenses and resentments. And essentially, I find that with many Christians, uh, we, don't, we lose the fact that our marriage is supposed to be the first place that we practice our faith. It's the first place where our faith is to be practiced. And we fail to do that. And we so we can be Christians who love the Bible, go to church, serve God, and all these of things, but but we're not doing the basics. I'll never forget when I was I had a pastor from another city. He and his wife came to talk to me because they were afraid to talk to anybody in their own community because <laughs> they didn't want anybody to know that they were having merit problems. Uh, <clears throat> again. I don't don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) But nonetheless, so they show up in my office, and they're sitting, and I'm going through the conversation. And finally, I just said, okay. I opened the Bible, said, let's start with Ephesians 5. And the pastor says to me, right out of his mouth comes, I already know what it says. And in that moment, I felt like God gave me wisdom. I just stopped, and I said, no, you don't. If you knew what it said, you'd be doing it. You may know the words, you may know, but you don't know it. It's not written in your heart. And at that moment, he broke. And he said, You're right. You're right. So you can can be a person who teaches it and counsels other people, but if it doesn't somehow become personal, and so what's my first advice? How do you prepare for this relationship? Because when you talk about preparing for marriage, you're talking about a, a multifaceted relationship. Those of us who have been married for a while know that there are so many tentacles to every day. It's like the scariest octopus you've ever seen. There's so many unforeseen things that are going to come your way. Life goes through its various seasons and changes. You have no kids and you have kids. Then you have more than one kid. Then you have, they, they start to leave the house. Then the, you know, it's those kind of moments you have where one day you look at each other and saying, we're here alone. <laughs> And, you just, and then you have illness and you have all sorts of economic stress. There's so many things that fly at you in life that it's constantly going through this change. And, and whether you recognize it or not, every one of those changes requires an adjustment. So when somebody says, well, give me the list of the top 10 things I can practice and discipline myself and work out and get together and help me to do those things so I can have a successful relationship, uh, I don't know what those are. I don't know what they are, but I do know this, that I know that if my wife and I are both seeking God, that after we've done that, we have time set aside where the two of us can come together and we pray. And like everything else, we have the same place that we sit together <laughs> every day, we pray. But, but we, that, that's the simplicity of it. We, we create that dynamic where we seek God individually and then we come together and we seek God together. And somehow, in that process, all of the challenges and issues that you're going to face over the years will find answers and solutions. Now, have you ever noticed this? It's nearly impossible to really pray with somebody that you're mad at or that you're holding resentment against. You know? So how many times wives will say or husbands will say, usually wives say to their husbands, well, we just need to pray together every day okay, dear Jesus, <laughs> God is good, God is great, thanks for the food we just ate. You know, and so it's like this, this mechanical thing, and, and you both walk away going, well, that wasn't very satisfying. And it's because unforgiveness is the thing that, that will make sure that, well, Jesus said your prayers won't be answered. I suddenly realized the reason they're not answered isn't because God doesn't want to bless it, but because you can't pray in agreement with somebody that your heart isn't in agreement with. So it always comes back to that thing, living the Word of God. If I'm I'm truly committed to knowing and living and following the Word of God, it's going to impact me in a way that's going to force me to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for resentments. Forgive me for holding on to hurts. Uh, Just forgive me for all of that. And it even may lead you to saying to the, the, your husband or your wife, yeah, "I need to ask you your forgiveness. I've been really mad at you, and I know I've been short and irritable, and so forth and so on. But I'm sorry. I, I know it's wrong. I remember when my wife and I, early in our marriage, she was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you ever heard this term, PMS. You ever heard of that? Uh, <laughs> and it was. You know, we. It was, it was. We were uh, uh, had been married many years, and all of a sudden, I, I noticed like every third month, there was like this three-day period of of frightening irrationality. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was like a, It's like the guy said, if, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it fall, is the man still at fault? You know, <laughs> it was one of those kind of moments. Like, and I one time I sat down and said, "Honey, you're just kind of ripping my head off," and I don't. I don't think I did anything and and she said no you didn't I'm just going through this thing and I can't help it. I'm sorry. I know it's wrong. I just can't help it. And it was it was so cool because I mean at that point I thought then then okay. It's not it's not personal. It's not like I don't have to I don't have to react. I can just run. <laughs> you know, I just I just make sure I'm out of, out of range. You know what I mean, you know, but it's not, and I just know this will pass. Now, uh, some of you are saying, oh, boy, I'm glad his wife isn't here to hear that. Uh, just relax, she's not here to hear it. But, <laughs> no, but it, somebody once asked my wife, does it bother you when he says that stuff? And her response was, well, it's true. <laughs> I mean, who are we trying to pretend? <laughs> it's true. And so there are all sorts of things like that. Now, I'm saying, ladies present here, I know that you've never been like that or gone through those kind of things, but, uh, you know, it's for those other ladies that live in Richville. But the simple reality is there are all sorts of things like that. And how do you prepare for them? Well, most of the time, you know, like that saying says, it's easier to ask forgiveness than to get permission. Well, it's kind of like that. It's a lot of times we do stuff we don't realize that it's coming out of us all the time. Uh, I'll be. I get so tunnelled in. I, I have this. inheritance this, my father. When I focus, I begin to tunnel. I think I might be a little. Uh, maybe I have Asperger's or something. I don't. Know. But I just. I just kind of a little autism there or something. I just. I just focus and re- the rest of the world goes away. And my wife will talk to me, and I'll. I don't know the tone of my voice, but there must be one, because I'll say what. And she would go, well, you don't have to get upset about it. Well, I'm not upset. But, you know, then suddenly we have this, this conversation that we have to pursue to work through all of that stuff. Th- that kind of stuff ha- happens, right? I'm not the only one, right? Okay. <laughs> all the guys raised their hand. The women just went, <laughs> you're just giving him permission to be a jerk. But, <laughs> but anyway, I know I said a lot. Do you think I even came close to answering that question? I don't know, James.
1: You were close. Close. yeah. (laughs) No, as you're talking, I think it reminds me of something is where you're kind of talking of just ordering your your private world. And I think I've had a few conversations recently, and I think the the craziest and most deceptive thing is that um, almost there's a lie that it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because to the person sitting next to you who's not your spouse, they definitely, they definitely notice the difference, but to you can come to church, we can come to church with one another and look okay on the outside and think that everything's okay. Um, and so you can start to think that it doesn't matter if we do this, if it doesn't matter if we, if we pray together, if we're reading our Bible together, if we're doing these things. Um, but mm-hmm. what I hear you say, that's, that's the way that marriage was made to be. Yeah. You wrote a book or something like that? Yeah. 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 Um, and so that's where I think it just really gets interesting. I mean, I think, um, looking back, coming up on, on almost being married for six years. Um, anniversary is October 15th, so please do not let me forget that. Uh, <laughs> it's coming up. Um, but looking back, I, just, I think that's another thing, and it was, um, I think the challenge is doing that after you continue to be married. Every once in a while, I'm kind of a pack rat when it comes to keeping emails. But I'll go back and, and look at things that we wrote each other when we were dating mm-hmm. and how we were encouraging one another with scripture. And when we were, you know, and it was almost like the day after we got married, like <laughs> that became almost not as important, you know, um, even on the honeymoon, it was like, how come we're not reading together? I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> um, yeah. but I think, so I think, um, that kind of goes in, in line with one thing that I once heard as we were getting, as we were getting prepared to get married was, um, the first day of your marriage is not the most important it's the last day. And so I think it's just that continuing, that continuing thing, um, starting it off right and then continuing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the challenge for me, obviously, is it, it's my job that, that God gave me to lead my family in doing that. Yeah. And um, just as you said, there's always something that comes up to, to not want to read or to not want to. It's not a convenient thing to do or something will come up to distract you. Uh, and it's not always easy to, it seems like we can, we can learn about, we can read all the right things and be like, this is how I'm supposed to lead my family, this is how I'm supposed to lead my marriage. Um, But as you just said, well, if you really knew it, then you'd be doing it. Yeah. So. Well,
0: we, uh, I've been talking with uh, the guys at Moody Radio and one of the things they were talking about possibly like having Gary Chapman come and do a seminar here, the five, the the five languages of love. And uh, it got me thinking because when we talk about the language of love, it's, it's really different for different people. And you can't, you have to learn that. You know, I mean, I, I had to figure out what said love to my wife. And I certainly found out very quickly what didn't. But it's, it's that intimate knowledge of understanding the other person because uh, I found out that my study at home, if I keep it really neat and orderly and everything in its place, that, that that's the language of love for my wife. I found that if I help her clean the house, that's a language of love. If I take the list, and believe me, why my wife has lists; she is a list writer. <laughs> if I take the list and I go through and get the things taken care of, that's her language of love. And it's it's a funny thing because I mean there was I wasn't certainly raised that way, and uh, this was a like it's like being a missionary going to a foreign culture you know, because you're having to learn this whole new way of thinking. And for a long time, what I tried to do is change her thinking. And I I realized it's trying to rewire a person. It's trying trying to to make a a PC into a Mac, to make an Android into an iPhone. I mean, you know, to make a a, a tortoise into a crab. I mean, this is just not going to work because God made this person who they are. And for my wife, it's, she says, I can't help it. I look, I look at things and I just start organizing them in my mind. And you'd realize that, that this is how different people function. And learning to, to love someone means that you have to begin to learn the love, the things that are going to challenge you. For me today, I'm a far more organized person. I learned organizational skills not because I wanted to do it professionally, but because I didn't want my wife to hurt me. So you know, it was like it was just like you just you just learn these things. And I suddenly I discovered as I became significantly more organized. I mean, quite honestly, you you go in my garage, everything has a place. Every I mean, it's all real organized and neat. I painted the floor of my garage just last weekend. I washed the floor in my garage and cleaned it so that there would be no mud or dirt or soil on it. I even washed off my tires so that when I drove them back into the garage, they wouldn't leave mur- a mess. Is that sick or what? <laughs> I was not raised this way. <laughs> but I know that it makes, it, it makes my wife's heart flutter. And there's just huge payoffs for me. So, you know, just, these, it's a, it's a, it seems like a crazy thing, but there's so many of those kinds of things you have to, you have to learn through the interaction. And that's a part of the idea of, of not discounting what you don't understand about someone else, but just realizing that the fact that they're different doesn't make them lesser. Or, you know, and even I think where we, men get caught in a trap is when we say, well, that's the way women are. And I think that that right away begins to express a, an arrogant uh, attitude that's going to create problems because arrogance always creates problems in relationships. And it goes the other way too when women say, "Well, you know how men are." You know, one time my wife said to me, "Oh, you think you understand women so well?" I said, "No, no, 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 honey. I I don't understand anything. I'm totally clueless. I'm totally clueless." And it was because she was opting under the premise that I thought I knew how she worked, I don't. It's a surprise every day. You know what I mean? Really? I discover something new every day. That, that really bothers you? I, I thought you liked that. So, I mean, I, it's always a, a, a realm of discovery. And if you don't maintain that flexibility in yourself, if you are a person who is saying, I don't want to have to change, I don't want to have to grow, uh, you know, I don't want to have to ever, like I say, the, the key to a successful marriage is repentance and forgiveness. You know, being able to say, I am sorry, and for the other person to say, I forgive you. Those, and and let me tell you, if you get married, for whoever asked the question, is it married? I'm just telling you, when you get married, you're going to have to learn how to say those words a lot. A lot. Because I'll do something, or I'll say something, or react to me. I'm not meaning to be rude to my wife, or disrespectful, or uncaring. I just, in one of my spaces. And she gets hurt and she'll express that to me, my, my default is to start going, wait a minute, I didn't mean anything like that. Why are you getting in my case? And I, I was just, you know what I mean? And if you knew what I was going through and the things i am had to deal I'm under a lot of stress, and you got to realize that because I'm under a lot of stress, I react like that. And, and you know where that leads? She finds that so attractive. She find, no, it leads to an argument and a conflict and a fly fight. And it took me a long time to come to this place where when I do that, that instead of going there, I just said, Wow, I am sorry. I, I didn't mean, I didn't realize I was doing that. I, I'm sorry. I, I Forgive me for what I did. And then it's gone. It only took us about, how, let me see, 46 years. It only took us 45 and a half years to learn how to do <laughs> No, but do you understand what I'm saying? I hope to understand what I'm saying.
1: Because I'm not sure. <laughs> I understand. Thank you, James. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that as you were talking, it made me think of that's why it's so important just to work on, you've said it before, but just working on ourselves. Because yep. the bottom line is, um, I've shared this story a couple of times, but bottom line is that as you're preparing to marry someone, there may be some exceptions, but chances are you don't really know them. And so if you're trying to guess what will please them or... or you could try. I tried for a few years and then I finally realized I've messed up enough holidays and things like that. And, yeah. um, that wasn't, that wasn't working so well. Um, <laughs> but I think if we all, if we operate on that principle and as we grow in just our willingness to, to humble ourselves and to admit our wrongs, to ask for forgiveness, then it really doesn't matter what the what is mm-hmm. of the sin or how much you thought you were right or how much you're convinced that you're right. Um, cause I'm usually not. Um, but because you just really don't know that person. You know, for me personally, because uh, we're coming up on six years of marriage, but um, I haven't even known her that long. And the, mm-hmm. time, and the time that I have known her, um, once we got engaged, it's like you're no longer getting to know her. Now you're trying to plan a wedding. And then shortly after we got married, um, you get pregnant. And then now you're preparing to have kids. And now you're trying to figure out what on earth you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. As I'm... <laughs> Somebody relates to that. Yeah. yeah, And then they turn four and then you have a baby and then um, I'm looking forward to the next few weeks because uh, I'll be taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's, I think that
0: you're, you're, it's such a good point to say that you don't really know that person because part of it is that when you engage, get engaged to somebody, you start going out and stuff, you're really, it's kind of like living on credit. I mean, they are assuming a lot of things about you and you're assuming a lot of things about them. But you haven't had the context yet in which you can begin to discover if those assumptions are correct or not. So that um, I, there were so many things that I assumed about my wife that were inaccurate because she was so amenable to everything that I wanted. And then when we got married, we moved into a new context. Now we weren't two single people living singly and coming together after we had washed and foo-foo watered ourselves and, you know, laid everything out and everything was fine. Now we were two people who went to bed together and we wake up, woke up in the morning, you know, and uh, I wondered why she had, you know, a mouth spray next to the bed in the morning, and I thought it was for her. You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> Because I mean, I'd lived with myself for years, and I didn't feel like I had breath, bad breath. I mean, I—it was surprising, you know. When she leans over and says, "No, take this," so—but you discover all these kinds of things about each other, and the only way you can is through the real experience. And uh, I just think that there's some of us. I had a young couple come to me one time, and they said, "Well, I said, what can I do?" Well, we like premarital counseling. I said, well, have you done any preparation yet? And he said, well, we went through this premarital program, and then we went through this program, and then we read this book, and <laughs> this whole, I'd never met people like this, the most, two most OCD people I'd ever encountered in my life. They had studied everything they could find to prepare them to be married, <laughs> and they asked me, so is there anything else we can do? And I said, yes, just one thing, and they said, what? I said, apply everything you've learned. I said, that's where your struggle's going to be. You know, knowing it, that's great, but it's applying it. And if you expect that you're going to get it right the first time, then you're going to have problems. So it's like Steve Martin, the movie Parenthood. One of my favorite lines from that movie was that he Explained to the school counselor about their third child's got in trouble. He says, you know how it is with parents. You, the first kid, you worry about everything. But by the third one, they can be juggling your knives. You don't even notice. <laughs> I just thought there is a certain reality that begins to settle in. And you realize we are two incredibly flawed, imperfect people who are just desperately trying to find love. And, and we, can, we can humble ourselves to that reality and, and help each other in that process or we can be very self-absorbed and demand that that other person somehow fit into our hip pocket so that we can be happy. And it, it just doesn't work. So yeah,
1: you don't know the other person. We'll move on to uh, another, another question. I think you've probably covered these next two. Um, but here's one. What one thing have you learned along the way that you wish you would have known before you got married? Um,
0: I wish I had had more insight into how incredibly selfish and sinful I am. I mean, really, seriously. It's like you, you all of us offer a, a, opera under a, a, a premise that we're basically good people and, and uh, you are know, giving and sacrificial and so forth but you, you never really realize how selfish you are until you have a newborn waking you up every two hours. <laughs> I mean, it's, and, and I don't mean to take away from that, but it's exhausting. And, you know, you know, I remember my wife one time looking at me and saying, do you realize that I have been changing diapers every day for five years? And it suddenly hit me. Yes, that, I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh. Five years, but that's because we had three kids, one right after another, and, and then somebody explained to me how that worked. And that, but uh, I kept on wondering why this kept on happening to us. But, uh, but you know, you, you just you realize you enter into this dynamic and, and, and how easy it is to see the world only through the lens of your own feelings and experiences and emotions, and not realizing that this other person wasn't placed there to service you you know, to clean your clothes and to wash your, you know, all that kind of stuff, but that they they entered into a partnership, and I think, you know, it used to be that, as I said, people lived in communities that they'd grown up with, and their families were there, and their friends were there, and there was this network, this support system around you that nobody really quite identified, but you were just part of this community, and when you had a baby, all the women in the family and your best friends and neighbors and other, all showed up and were part of the process. And when you went places, people were always willing to babysit and to help out. There was just this, this dynamic that for the most part doesn't exist anymore. So what you increasingly have is the average couple will move every five years. That something statistically, even within a church like this, we, we know statistically that 20% of our congregation will not be here within a year. Because that's the transient nature of our culture. James called somebody who, he was a, uh, we found a little bit of glitch in our volunteer form thing on the internet. And, and uh, anyway, Drew was calling, uh, calling on some of these people that somehow got lost in cyberspace. And just a guy who wanted to volunteer in an area, he, and he says, Oh, yeah, that was me. He says, But I can't help you now because I'm living in Alaska. <laughs> and another guy was living in Kansas City. So, you know, you know, that's just the transient nature of our world. And so we've, what that does is it uproots people. And it means that you're constantly having to be reinserted into an environment that demands huge change. And, uh, it, it, and so what happens is you begin to look to your husband, your wife, as being your primary support system. That person those, that person in your life who is going to be your closest friend who is also somebody who is of a different gender and that has, as we have talked about, its own issues but also is trying to discover who you are. Now, don't mean, I don't want to depress anybody because I think investing in that is probably one of the most rewarding things that we'll ever experience in our life. I mean, that's the simple reality. Uh, my wife is if... For all, even if it's just by default, she is my best friend. She is the only, other than Jesus, she's the only constant in my life since I was 19 years of age. So when you, you look at that dynamic and realize now we're at that point in our journey where we're seeing her parents aging and looking at, at, at their, end, their relationship ending because of natural causes, and we're looking at each other and saying, this is us, I mean if the Lord tarries this is our future as well at some point in the future one of us is going to be here by themselves and you start, and it changes the dynamic because you start valuing that other person in a different way, you begin to realize that no, it's not like we're with each other all the time, it's like we only have so much time to be together before it's over and it goes by rather quickly so
1: I don't even know what the question was I started with <laughs> And then, amazingly, you answered it right on. <laughs> I, I think another way, um, you said specifically you, you wish you would have known um, yeah. the extent of your selfishness. And I think, um, I guess the way that I would put it is, is really kind of similar. I don't know if this is just because it's most guys feel that way after they get married, but I feel like we've, have you ever heard the phrase that, that you bring baggage into your marriage? No? Okay, I'm just me. That's, I'm. Um, I've heard that phrase, and I guess the way that I would put it is I wish I would have known the extent of my baggage, because mm-hmm. there was stuff that came up where um, I just never knew about,
0: mm-hmm. and I think
1: one of the really cool things about marriage, and especially in a, in a healthy, God-honoring marriage, is it, it's a safe place to work through things, you know, mm-hmm. things that you don't think you have. I mean, I grew up with with um, three sisters and basically got away with murder growing up, um, because it was never my fault. Um, <laughs> But in all seriousness, um, a lot of things went unnoticed just because I was never called out on things. And so when it first started happening, my wife's like, whoa, 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 like, what's that? I'm like, I'm not like that. She's like, yes, yes, you are. Um, So I think I wish I would have known those types of things because I got so comfortable with them that... um, you've said this many times before but the older you get the harder it is to to break habits that you form mm-hmm. and so after thinking that this was something that was totally okay for many 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 years um and then having someone come along who sees every move that you make and uh, realizing wow i've got this thing i didn't even know that existed um that needs to be dealt with uh, i really wish i would have i would have been aware of that that yeah. Um, those areas. And then it kind of goes into how do you prepare it, is just to try to be as real as possible with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, don't look at yourself um, either more negatively or positively than you should, as well as the other person. Um, but I figure since uh, I, see, I see the clock winding down, so I figure we'll just, we'll just end with um, kind of a big one. Because I think this is probably the, the, as I read this question, I think it's one that a lot of people are asking but maybe afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is directed to, to a husband or a wife, so we'll just, we'll just make it towards both, but how can I get my spouse to hear my request for help without hearing, quote-unquote, nag, nag, nag? Mm-hmm. Is there a secret language I should use? Yeah, just stop nagging. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, you know, that's... <clears throat> I, yeah, I should ask my wife how I should answer this, because, um, you know, I think, that, I think the first thing... That is to understand something that's the dynamic that's going on. That when a husband or a wife uh, registers a complaint to their spouse, however they do it, um, I mean, you have to begin with the realization that most of us are not good at, exp- at registering complaints on any level. And so we, we kind of may say it wrong, and it's easy to offend each other and to be offended by that because it's not said in the right way. And we react to the way something was said or how we think that what they're saying is really the, the message behind it. You know, you don't love me, you don't like me, you, don't, you think I'm stupid, blah, 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 Because, you know, I mean, I had to deal with that because my wife has this way of looking at me when I do something really stupid that without saying it, says it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so it's like, uh, and, and I do a lot of things without thinking because I'm thinking about something else. But I think you need to understand that God is at work in everything, and He's at work on you in everything, so that uh, no matter what happens, God speaks to us. You need to believe that God is speaking to you through whoever so that if you get pulled over by the police officer and he stops you in the road, and like happened to me one time, I was taking Brian, it was just a little kid, I was taking him to school and I pulled up to a stoplight and I'm looking around, there's no cars, a four-way stoplight and there's no cars anywhere. And so I just looked left, I looked right, I looked around behind me, I thought there's nobody here. Hey, I'm late, gunned it and went right through the light. I don't know where he was hiding. I don't get more than 100 yards down the road and I've got Christmas trees, you have Christmas lights behind me. And I pull over and the officer gets out and walks up to me and he says, do you realize you just went through a red light? And I said, oh yeah. <laughs> he said, why did you do that? And I said, because I am a stupid idiot. <laughs> he said, what? I said, I am a stupid idiot. And he said, okay, don't do it again. Let me go. But the whole thing was, I, 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 as I'm driving away, I'm thinking, God, you... Allowed this to happen for a reason. And it was the beginning of a whole conversation with me and God about my driving habits and about my attitude, about my right time, and all these sort of things that were things that God wanted me to deal with. And I've discovered that as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens accounts of his friends. My wife's criticisms of me and my criticisms of her are things that God uses to deal with us. So if you're frustrated with your spouse and they're doing certain things, and they the, the first place is to begin by asking the question, God, why are you allowing them to irritate me in this way? Seriously. Why are you allowing them to irritate me in the way that they're irritating me right now? Now, you don't have to admit to your husband or wife right now that there are things they do that irritate you. But I know there are. You know, There are things that they do that irritate you and some maybe even frustrate you. But it's kind of like, I love the story Chuck Smith told one time because he said uh, one day his wife called him up at the church and said hey uh, I was just thinking uh, why don't we go out to dinner tonight he says yeah that's a great idea he says uh, I just heard about this restaurant, and he, she said, no, I don't want to go there. And he says, well, there's this other place I heard about and She says, no, I don't feel like that either. And he went through two or three different ones, and then she said, you know what? I was just thinking, there's this new restaurant uh, that opened up. Why don't we go there for dinner? And she said, he said, great, I'll pick you up, and we'll go to dinner. So they went to dinner, had a great time. He got back, next day, he said, I'm in the office, and I'm thinking to myself, that was so much fun. I want to do it again tonight. She like, I called my wife up, and I said, honey, uh, would you like to go out to dinner tonight? And he said, she said, yeah, that'd be great.'" He said, well, I, was, I just heard about this restaurant, and she says, oh, no, 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 you got to pick last night. Tonight's my choice. <laughs> I, just, I just died because my wife and I had just had this conversation. And I'm sitting there saying, wait a minute, I didn't, how is it that it's, I'm going to get a choice when I didn't actually get to choose? Well, things like that can really begin to get under your skin with each other, right? It begins to irritate you. And because sometimes I'll, my wife, I, I'm so I'll, my wife will say, well, I want to do this and I want to do that, and I say, want to buy this this color of carpeting. I said, well, okay, whatever you want, let's go look at it, and we'll look at carpet samples and go through all this stuff, and and finally she's saying, well, why are you making me choose? Why don't you choose something? And so I said, okay, I'll choose this, and she goes, you think I like that? And so I like, <laughs> and I said, that's why I wasn't gonna choose because it may be well anyway. The, it gets into the whole thing of what she really was looking for is for me to be engaged in the decision-making process. It took me a long time to figure that out. But you see, what we have to understand is that these kind of things happen and are allowed by God to happen because he's trying to work at us first. And that's why, you know, when, when Jesus put it this way, he said, before you try to take the splinter out of your brother's eye, first take the beam out of your own. And so it's one of the hardest disciplines, I think, in the Christian life to ever learn is when something goes wrong, to start and say, okay, God, where did I fail? Because I even say this to people who have gone through the tragedy of divorce. And I don't say this lightly, and I don't want to be unkind. But really, as terrible as that is, and as, as awful as the other person may have been, and as guilty as they may have been, there's still a huge amount for you to learn. And that's where I think that the healing that the person going through divorce yearns for begins with simply coming to God and saying, God, teach me why that happened. Teach me why that happened. As I I said to a a young lady one time, her husband beat her up and threw her out, and it was a a really bad, bad situation. And uh, we're talking, and she's going on about how terrible he was, and I couldn't disagree. I knew him, and she was right. But finally, I just, the Lord just spoke to me and I asked her a simple question. I said, honey, you need to ask yourself this question. Why did you marry him? Why did you marry him? What is it in you that made you overlook the things that you knew were there and marry him? Because if you, I said, if you don't learn that lesson, you'll end up going back and marrying another guy and it'll turn out just being, like, being just like him. So that God is, is always wanting to disciple us. He's always wanting to teach us. And, and, and I find that uh, it's, you know, when my wife and we were driving on vacation on our road trip this year, which was so much fun, as we're going, across the, the, going down the highway, and, and you know that they had uh, this very generous speed limit of 80 miles an hour in a lot of parts of the country, and, you know, and I'm doing 90. And, and, and my wife just had a very simple question to me. If it's 70, you've got to go 75 or 80. If it's 75, you've got to go 80 or 85. If it's 90, you've got to go... I mean, he you know, says, well, what is it with you? Why do you always have to, to exceed the speed limit? I, haven't, I still haven't come up with the answer to that. <laughs> but I had to honestly say, you know what? <laughs> I don't know why, but I probably should start trying to figure out, because you're right. Why do I do that? I, and I think that there's a thousand things like that in our life that that are going to come up, and and we really need to get in that kind of attitude of heart, saying, "Okay, God, why am I in this situation? What is it that I need to change?" Because you know, God uses stuff. He uses stuff all the time. He never. There's nothing that touches my life, your life, that isn't allowed to touch our life, and when it does. It's a discipleship moment. And many times I find people just get caught up in the, in the, in the whirlpool of hurts and resentments and bitternesses. You know, it's just, uh, I remember we went through some, some kind of dicey seasons here a while back. And uh, I remember one of my friends saying, So, why did all that happen? And I said, Well, tell you the truth, the only thing that I've been able to conclude is you reap what you sow. I said, somewhere, I sowed some seeds that now I'm reaping. And I need to, to spend time with God and figure out what those were. Because I found that there's no satisfaction in blaming other people. <laughs> there's just, and there's no solutions, and there's no healing, and there's no restoration. Where healing comes is when you're simply saying, God, I sow a seed and I reap the consequences. Okay, where's my responsibility in all this? Because again, you've heard me say it many times. You can't change anybody else except yourself. Don't waste your time trying to change somebody else. Change you, and just say, "Okay, God, what am, what am I need? What do I need to learn?" And I look back on it going, you know, that <laughs> it was invaluable to me. It was absolutely invaluable to me. The things I've learned, and there are so many times, seasons in my life where I said, "God, if in your mercy, never allow me to ever go through that ever again," because that really hurt like nobody's business. But thank you, because I never would have learned the things I learned if I hadn't gone through those things. As my wife would say, he likes to talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I know you'd never noticed that, but. Okay? Thank you. You're welcome, thank you. Father God, we, uh, we just thank you for the time to just talk about stuff and kind of hit topics that we don't often always get to talk about and, and get off topic on things that we don't often get off topic of. I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take both the intentional things and the ramblings and they would become good seed in our soil of our hearts that would help us to grow. In the end of the day, Lord, the, the whole Christian life, Living out the Christian life always comes down to being able to repent, to confess your sins, to recognize them and confess them, and and secondly, just to ask for forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that it's really that simple. And I pray that in our marriages, we would be able to bring that simplicity into the relationship, that regarding my husband or a person's husband or wife, or even somebody that even a broken relationship and a destroyed relationship that we still have only two things that we can do we can we can confess our own failures and we can forgive and i don't say that in any way meaning that those things are easy especially the forgive part when our souls have been really wounded lord i i know personally how hard it is to truly sincerely say Lord I, I forgive them but Lord I pray that we would, buy, we would embrace that as a central value of what it means not only to be a Christian but to live a fulfilled peaceful life I pray for that grace Lord in Jesus name, Amen take us on out <laughs>